You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Thank you so much for being in faithful in God's house tonight on this first Sunday, first day of the new year. And I appreciate Pastor taking a survey of all those who stayed up till midnight last night. It helps me to know what percentage of the people here will be falling asleep during my preaching. And so I can at least now be realistic. For the five of those of you who did not uh, make it till midnight, I am preaching to you tonight. For everyone else, I hope you get a good nap in. But this is an amazing year because we start the first service, the first day of the new year, we start in God's house. And that's the same way we end. December 31st is on a Sunday. And from the first day to the last day, we can be faithful in God's house. As I was thinking about that, and on Wednesday, Brother Cooper mentioned a watch night service. And I was just thinking how awesome it would be, Pastor, to have a watch night service the last day of the year of 2023. Growing up here, for those of you who might remember this, we used to have watch night services Although it was a little bit different than the ones Brother Cooper talked about. Maybe we weren't as spiritual as a church. But North Valley, our watch night service conduct, would normally be a normal church service. We'd have preaching and singing and, of course, the offering and things like that. Then after the service, we'd go downstairs in the old building, have a time of some food, a little bit of fellowship. We'd come back to the auditorium for a talent show. And before there was ever America's Got Talent, North Valley had talent. Except for those who didn't. But we appreciate them because they entertained the rest of us during that evening. And Brother Harold would get up and he would emcee the service. And there were people with all different skills and talents and abilities that would come up. And they would show us their unique, interesting, maybe even a little weird talent. Those who thought they were funny would get up and they would tell jokes and they would go on and do their kind of comic bit. Those who thought or those who wished that all year long, if I could only be put up on the list to sing a song in church, then the world would know. They never got their shot until the talent show. And they would get up and in front of the whole church show everybody why they were never asked to sing. And we had a wonderful time. I can remember some strange things. I remember there was a teenage girl who could do a human pretzel. And she got up here and she put her legs over her head and she put her arms over her head. And two high school guys, I think it was her brothers, kind of tossed her back and forth. And that was her unique talent. I can remember there was a gentleman. And if I gave the name, those of you who've been in the church a long time, you would know who I'm talking about. And so I will not use his name. He's no longer in our church. But he got up and he kind of did a a little deal where, to be honest, I'm still lost. I'm still a little bit confused. Was he trying to be funny? Was it a poetic recitation? I'm not sure. He got up and he recited, Mary had a little lamb. Brother Morris, I see you kind of nodding your head. You may remember who it was. And he got up and he did, Mary had a little lamb. And he would pause and he'd kind of look around and he would go through it and To this day, I don't know if it was funny or if I was supposed to, you know, be impressed by his recitation. I'm not really sure. 
I can remember one year there was a group who sang. It was a sibling group, and they were probably high school, junior high age, and the lights were off, and they were up there singing, playing instruments, and there was a stir in the back of the auditorium. Not really sure what was taking place, and there were two or three high school guys who came running down the aisleway. And in their hands, they had a bunch of roses. And as they got it, maybe you've seen it after a good performance. People toss roses onto the, you know, the, the platform to show how awesome they did. Well, these high school guys took the roses and came up as close as they could. And they took those things, and they started throwing headshots at these singers <laughs> as they're up there and turn around and ran back. And you know, it's an amazing thing. It was kind of ironic. Following that service that evening, it was an all-night teenage lock-in event. And for some reason, I see Brother Kevin Manley down there. I guarantee he would know exactly who I'm talking about, about the same age as him. It wasn't him, by the way. It, it really wasn't. But, but these guys, for some reason, did not make it to that activity that night. I guess their true identity came out. But for whatever reason, good times. And so, Pastor, if you feel led, I think the church family, we would love, wouldn't we love to have a talent show at a watch night service? I could see Brother Flood emceeing that whole event. I, I think it would be amazing. I think it would be great. But I'm so excited to be in church tonight on this first day, and I'm thankful for a new year. What a blessing it is to have a new start or something. It's always exciting to kind of finish a chapter and begin a new chapter as we begin a new year. As a student, I was always glad to kind of see my grades in the history books and an opportunity to do better in the new semester. For those of you college students who racked up a lot of demerits last year, it's a fresh start. Let me challenge you, go an entire year, maybe a month, try to go one day without getting demerits in this new year and you'll be off to a great start and it'll be tremendous. You know, as we look back over last year, we can see what God has done in our midst. We can see the accomplishments that God allowed us to accomplish as a church family, as families, as individuals. We can look back and see things that we liked, things that we didn't like, and we can look ahead in the new year and say, you know what, there's some things I want to change. There's some things I want to do better. There's some things that I wouldn't have done in the same way. Perhaps as you look into this year of 2023, maybe there's some fear. Maybe there's a little bit of anxiety. Is what does 2023 hold? Where will I be 12 months from now? I wish God would give us the opportunity to kind of look ahead in the future, see 12 months from now everything that will transpire before it happens, so we can go into this year prepared, knowing what lies ahead. But unfortunately, that's not how life works. There's many unknowns. There, there's many circumstances and situations that will enter our life, perhaps in 2023, that we didn't see coming. In Matthew chapter 24 this evening, the disciples, perhaps like us, were in that same position wondering, what is to come? What does the future hold for me? What is to come in the next 12 months? You see, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus had been speaking to the disciples. He'd been telling them of things to come. The end times, tribulation, the rapture, all of these different events to come. And I imagine as Jesus spoke to them, their minds, their hearts began to be filled with anxiety and fears. They wondered, when is this going to happen? 
When does this take place? What is next? And how is it going to affect us? This evening in Matthew 24, verse number 37. I want us to see this, or verse number 3, I'm sorry. Matthew 24, verse 3. The Bible says that the disciples came to Jesus. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? The disciples, much like us, wanted to know what's coming down the road our direction. What are the events that are going to unfold in our midst over this next year? Jesus, we know what you told us is coming. We, we know that you, you said that you were going to rent the temple and these different events are going to happen. Jesus, tell us more what is going to happen. Jesus so wisely responds back to them. He goes through a list of different events. He's, he tells them that there will be fake Christ. That there will be wars and rumors of wars. He said there will be persecution that comes. There will be false prophets that come on the scene and try to preach in my name but don't believe them. He said there will be the abomin abomination of desolation as found in the book of Daniel. He said when you see all of these things come, know that the time is near... But no man knoweth the day nor the hour. He said, I can't tell you exactly. No one knows when it's going to happen. But when you see all of these things happening, know that the time is near. And look what he says in verse number 37. He says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus is teaching his disciples and they come to him and they say, Jesus, tell us what lies ahead. Tell us when the end of the world is going to be. All of these things that you've told us prophetically that are coming, when is it going to happen? And Jesus gives them this comparison. He said, in order to look ahead, we need to look back. In order to see what's coming our direction, we need to go back to the story of Noah. Because as the days of Noah were, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. This evening, as we wonder what lies ahead in 2023, or 2024, or 2025, what lies ahead in the future, we need to look back. This evening, for the next few moments, I'd like us to consider the days of Noah in our day. The days of Noah in our day. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would help me. God, I need your power tonight. Lord, I, as you have used this thought in my heart to challenge me for this year, God, I pray that you would help me to convey it in a way that will help your people. We love you in Jesus and we pray. Amen. If you could turn back with me to the book of Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis 6, we find the biblical account of the story of Noah, of the ark, and the flood. I would like to make a few observations this evening of the, what the days were like in the days of Noah. And as I do, I want you to try to compare them to the day and age in which we live. As we look at the things that transpired in Noah's day... Let's look around us today and see that we live in a similar day. I'd like to say, number one, it was a carnal day. 
In Genesis 6, 5, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It was a day where mankind was consumed with self, self-pleasure, self-desires, self-worship, self-ease. It was a day where it was all about mankind. Anything they wanted to do, if it sounded good, if it felt good, if it seemed right, go for it. Why? It was a carnal day. It was a day of idolatry, a day of self-pleasure. There were no limits, no rules, no holding back. It was a day where literally anything and everything went. The Bible says that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart were only evil continually. It was a carnal day. Can I say number next? It was a corrupt day. And in verse 11, the Bible says, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. In verse 12, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Think about this. From Genesis 1 to Genesis 6, from Adam to Noah, there was a total of ten generations. Ten generations before Noah... Men and women literally walked with God, talked with God, lived in a paradise. It was a beautiful place. Earth was much different than it is today. The earth that we know today would not have been the same earth that was in the day of Noah. It was a very different day. And it only took 10 generations for mankind to completely forget their creator. It only took 10 generations for mankind to absolutely corrupt what God had given them. They went from God's law to man's law. God's way to man's way. God, the worship of God to the worship of man. 10 days in all of mankind, the Bible says, corrupted itself. I believe it was a day similar to the description in Romans 1. Well, the Bible says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. There was no more honor. There was no more worship of God. It was all about mankind and self. It was a carnal day. It was a corrupt day. Can I say thirdly, it was a careless day. You see, while mankind enjoyed living for self, they took no thought of what was to come. They took no thought that there might just be consequences for their actions. There may be a day of reckoning where they could not continue to do the things that they were doing. The Bible said back in Matthew 24, that it was a day where men were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Why? They were just living for the now. They were enjoying their lives and they were careless about the things that were to come. It was a carnal day. It was a corrupt day. Can I say it was a careless day? But while mankind sinned, while mankind lived for self and enjoyed everything, all of the pleasures of life, can I say that there was a God who was watching from above? There was a God who saw every single sin, every single action, every single example of self-will that mankind was doing. And God looked down from heaven in verse number 5, the Bible says, 
and God saw. In verse 12, the Bible said, God looked upon the earth. Isn't it amazing? God is always watching. There's nothing that ever happens where God isn't seeing it. Sometimes we maybe read a newspaper and we think, what is going on? Can I remind us that God sees it? That God is watching? God knows exactly what's going on. There is nothing that God does not see. And in verse number 6 and 7, the Bible says, it grieved the heart of God. Mankind's actions grieve the heart of God that it repented him that he made man. Mankind was so wicked, was so evil, was so filled with self, the Bible says, that it literally grieved the heart of God and it repented him. Why? Because God is a righteous God. God is a holy God. God is a just God. And in the very nature of God, God must judge sin. And as he looked down, the Bible said in verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made man. Can I say it was a day of a coming destruction? As mankind lived their life for the moment, lived it carelessly, there was a day of a coming destruction. They failed to repent. They failed to get it right and ask for forgiveness and live their life without any thought that there might be consequences for their sin. When I was a young child, I can remember my favorite cartoon was the story of Pinocchio. Any of you like that favorites today, Pinocchio? I don't know. Perhaps it was relatable to me. It was about a young Italian boy with a growing nose. Perhaps I was able to kind of relate to that. Although looking back, I feel like it may have been a little culturally insensitive. And that had I been a little woker back then, I should have been offended. But you know, as I think back on that cartoon that I watched, I don't know, dozens of times as a child... My mind always goes back to a certain scene where Pinocchio and the boys of that town, they are there and they're living it up in Pleasure Island. They're having themselves a time. They're, there's no one there to tell them what they can do or what they can't do. There's no rules. They can break things. They can fight. They can have themselves a time until the end of the evening where they begin to turn into donkeys. And I'll never forget, there's a line in there where this taskmaster who begins to round them up says, Boys, you've had your fun, but now it's time to pay the price. See, for mankind living in the days of Noah, they were having their fun. They were living it up, but they did not realize there is a price for sin. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, For the wages of sin is death. And while mankind did not look ahead and did not retain God, they did not realize that there was a coming destruction that would wipe out mankind as a punishment for their sins. But can I say that while God is a righteous God, while God is a holy God, while God is a just God, God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of great grace. And all there is a judgment, although there is a punishment for their sins, God said, I am not willing that any should perish, but that should all should come to repentance. And God prepared and made a way of escape for Noah and his family. Look in verse number 8. 
The Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. That is an unmerited favor. That is God's riches at Christ's expense. See, there was nothing Noah could do to earn that favor. There was nothing that Noah did to deserve God's righteousness, but God in his very nature is a God of love and did not want them to perish. And so he said, Noah, this is what I want you to do. I want you to build me an ark. He gave him the descriptions. He gave him the plan. And so Noah went to work. Not only was it a day of a coming destruction, but it was a day of a certain deliverance. You see, for any man, woman, or child who got aboard that ship, that ark, there was salvation. There was a way to escape the coming destruction of mankind, but it was only through that one means of deliverance. It was a certain deliverance. God commanded Noah to build the, bar, the, the ark. It was to be 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, 51 feet high. It was three stories. It had one window and one door. You may ask this evening, why only one door? Why didn't the ark have multiple doors? Because just as there was only one way into that ark, just as there was only one way to enter in deliverance, Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There was only one way into that ark. Just as today there is only one means of deliverance, and it is a man, Christ Jesus. There was no other way of escape. Other men may have had boats. Other men may have had plans. They may have thought, this is how I could get through it. But unless they got aboard that ark, there was no salvation. There was no deliverance. There was no means of escape. Can I say next, it was a day of a compelling declaration. A compelling declaration. The Bible says in 2 Peter 2.5 that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You see, as Noah was spending his life building this boat, following God's plan and building the ark, I believe, according to God's word, that he was also preaching the word. Several years ago, my family and I had the opportunity to travel back to Kentucky to visit the ark encounter. If you're ever out that way, I highly encourage you to visit it. It's an amazing thing. On the way to the ark that morning, we did what most of us would do, and we stopped for breakfast at no other place but Cracker Barrel. Got to get some good Brother Barrel, you know what I mean? And so we made a way to Cracker Barrel, had an amazing breakfast. Spent some time playing the little triangular peg game, you know, multiple times over and over and over. And again, that game just confirmed what I already knew. I am a total moron. As I could not get enough of those pegs, jumped and get it out. But we had our breakfast, finished the peg game, sat out on the rocking chair for a little bit, waited some time in the gift shop, and as I was in the gift shop, and as I was shopping around, I heard someone say, Noah. And I thought, I'm on my way to the ark. Someone is here is named Noah. What a coincidence. And so I looked around for a little bit, and my wife would tell you this is true. I have this problem that I am, I have to talk to people. I will find random people, and I will have conversations with them, and I don't know what it is. I can't help myself. If, if I see one of you somewhere at a mall or at the store, I will search you out, find you to say hi. I, I, I apologize in advance. I just can't stop it. 
But Estrava, you know a little bit about this. We, it's, it's happened on multiple occasions. More I want to say, but I won't. And as I was there in Cracker Barrel shopping in the gift shop, I heard over the loudspeaker, Noah, Noah, party of six, your table, or party of eight, your table is ready. Noah, party of eight, your table is ready. Think about that for a moment. I met Noah and his family on the way to the ark in Cracker Barrel. I'm sure it's in here somewhere. But you know, as we left Cracker Barrel and made our way to the ark exhibit, and as we pulled into that parking lot, I have to admit, my mind was literally blown. As I began to see the gigantic structure that was there before me, massive, huge, I guess it hit me really for the first time when I was able to actually put my eyes on how big the ark was. And this thought hit me, and you might think you really are a moron, Brother Fenera, for not coming up with this sooner. But there was absolutely no way Noah was able to hide that boat in his backyard. <laughs> you ever thought about that? You're like, that thought never crossed my mind either. There was no way that Noah was able to construct something that big without other people seeing it. He couldn't hide it in his backyard. It wasn't a garage project. It was something that was so big and so massive that people had to have seen it from great distances. I imagine people travel to what is going on. Let's go see what is being built. And as they came to Noah, they said, Noah, what are you doing? I imagine Noah had to, had to pause what he was working on and said, well, let me tell you. God spoke to me. And God told me that there is a coming judgment for the sins of mankind. And he has commanded me to build this ark to save human race from the coming destruction. I imagine they had to say, God told you this? Noah. You okay, buddy? Everything all right? So, Noah, surely you're not telling me that God spoke to you. No, that's exactly what happened. God spoke to me. God told me there is a coming destruction. And, and that I have to build this boat so I can save my family and anyone else who wants to come on. I imagine as time went on and Noah continued building that boat and as it got bigger and began to, to grow larger, I imagine more people, multitudes by now, would come out to see crazy Noah and his building project. I, I can imagine them standing around and pointing and laughing, mocking, making fun of this crazy guy and his big boat in the middle of nowhere. I mean, why not build it by the ocean? That would at least make sense, but... Right here in the middle of nowhere, Noah, you crazy fool, what are you doing? And I imagine Noah with a broken heart would say, God loves you. God loves you. Don't you see there's a destruction coming your way? God is going to destroy the earth. You have to repent. Now is the day of salvation. You must receive Christ. And they mocked him. They made fun of him. They ridiculed him. But can I say that as they began to load that ship, and in chapter 7, as God said, Noah, now's the time. Get aboard that ship. Take your family. Get in. And I'm going to close the door. I'm going to seal you in. 
Can I say it's a day of a closed door? You see, when that door closed, that was it. When that door closed, it was too late for every man, every woman, and every child who was not on board that ship. There was absolutely nothing they could do. There was no way to escape the judgment. You know, growing up in church, I can remember different picture books of Noah and the ark, and almost without fail, every one of them shows this bright picture, very colorful of a ship, Noah and his family standing there, smiles on their faces, the animals maybe coming off the ship two by two. It shows a mountain with perhaps a rainbow over it and the sun shining through. And by looking at that picture, you might think, oh, that's a happy scene. It's a joyful scene. But have you ever really thought about the destruction that the flood was? Have you ever thought about when that rain began to fall? They saw Noah get on that ship and they said, well, there's crazy Noah. He's in the boat. I, I wonder what will become of him now. And that rain began to fall. The Bible says the windows of heaven were opened. The foundation of the deep began to be broken up and that rain began to fall and that water level began to rise. Can you imagine what, be, what would have to have fallen on the hearts and the minds of man? Maybe he was right. Maybe, Moa, maybe Noah did know that there was a coming destruction. I, I, I imagine panic began to come on the lives of everyone. As they began to grab their children, we got to get to higher ground. Perhaps we can get on, on top of a tree or get on top of the house or hold on to something. But there was no escape from the judgment that was to come. Every single human died who was not aboard that ship. Can you imagine the screaming? Can you imagine the anguish? Can you see the looks on the faces of mankind as they realize, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry! But it's too late. That door has been closed and there was no deliverance. The Bible says in verse 21, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils were the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. See, if they did not get aboard that ship, God's judgment came and all were destroyed. Tonight as I think about the days of Noah... I see the days of Noah in our day. We live in a wicked day. We live in a vile day where mankind has no regard for God. They do what seems good. Whatever feels right, they live in the moment. We live in a day filled with self-pleasure. Can I remind us there is a coming destruction. There is a coming destruction because God who is just and holy and right must judge sin. But just as God's mercy and grace extended to Noah and his family, God's grace has reached down to mankind. And there is a certain deliverance. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is still the way. 
He's still the truth. He's still the life. Jesus is still the answer in 2023. There is a coming destruction, but there is a certain deliverance. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. As Christians today, we have a compelling declaration to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a prosperity gospel, not a feel-good gospel, not a look inward and be the you you need to be. No, a gospel that God loves mankind and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price that we might escape the judgment to come. We have a compelling declaration, but can I remind us, there will come a day where it is a day of a closed door. We have a window of time to make it count for Christ. When that window is up, when God snatches us here from planet Earth, our opportunity to reach the lost is gone. Shortly after that, those who do not trust Jesus Christ, millions, billions of people, can you hear their cries? Can you see the anguish on their face? They'll spend eternity in a place called hell. Today we find ourselves in the day of Noah. Say, Brother Fenera, that, that's, that's a discouraging message tonight. I have to admit, I struggled preaching this tonight. I begged God, God, give me something else. Give me something where I can maybe throw in some jokes, we can have a good time, and I can challenge everyone, and we can go out. God would not give me liberty to preach anything else. This thought has been on my heart and on my mind. You know, as Christians, we get so busy with things in life that have no eternal value. We get busy with things that really will make no difference for the cause of Christ. I listened to Brother Cooper's message this morning while I was working in a, in a ministry, and it brought tears to my eyes as I saw the passion he had. Why? Because like him, I want to do something for the cause of Christ in this generation. I don't want to talk about the glory days where God would meet with us and God did miracles. I want that to be today. I want those days to be this day. I want God to work in our church. I want God to do something to the North Valley Baptist Church that we may reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, how are we going to do it? Like Noah, can we have faith in God? Hebrews eleven seven said, By faith Noah, being warned of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. See, everything in the Christian life must be founded in faith. I think sometimes as Christians, we are so faithless because we're so self-reliant. I can do it on my own. I, I don't need to trust God for my well-being and for my finances because I can work a job myself. I went to school, I learned a lot so I could make a good living, so I'm good, but God, if I need you, I'll call you up. We live our life without faith in God. 
Isn't it amazing that we can trust God for our salvation? But we can't trust him for the day-to-day things we need in life? I believe one of the biggest reasons is because in a way we've become our own gods. We can do it on our own. We can do it in our own ability. I I can weather a recession because I have investments in the bank. I'll be okay. Can I challenge North Valley Baptist Church this evening in 2023? Can we walk by faith as Noah did? God spoke to Noah and Noah stepped out by faith as things which would come. Why? For the deliverance of his family. Can I say number two, how did Noah get through his day? By obedience to the word of God. I won't go through it for the sake of time, but if you go back in Genesis 6, you'll find this phrase. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. I wonder what is God speaking to you tonight about that you need to just obey? I wonder when's the last time you read God's word and he spoke to you in a way where you said, God, I have to obey you in this. Or are we just doing it our own way and figuring out things on our own? And lastly, how did Noah get through his day by faith in God, by obedience to God's word? And lastly, Noah got busy in the work of God. See, Noah realized he didn't have forever. Noah realized there was a short window before the destruction of mankind. And so Noah got busy doing the work that God had given him to do. I wonder this evening, as we look out over 2023, what's the work that you'll spend your life doing? What is it that you will give your time to this year? And will it have any eternal value? If we get to December 31st of 2023 and Jesus comes back and we look back on our lives this year, what will we have to show for it? We can do a lot of works. We can do the work of, I got I to gotta make a lot of money. I got to save. I got to invest. We could do the work of, I need to accumulate things for myself. We can do the work of trying to gain and work our way up the corporate ladder. But can I challenge us to do the work of God? As I look out over this auditorium, I see Brother Raymond right there. Brother Ray is a product of the work of God. Why? Because someone who said, you know what, I realize there's a coming destruction. I realize there is a certain deliverance. There is Christ the deliverer. And I'm going to take this to someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ so they can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I see Christian down here, a young person, reached with the gospel. Can I say that's a good work? For each and every one of our lives, we can look back to a time where we were reached because someone did the work of God. I wonder, will we keep it going forward this year? Can we go forward in this day? Absolutely. Why? Because our hope isn't in this day. Our hope isn't in this present world. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Jesus is still the answer. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. 
No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. In this year of 2023, can we walk by faith? Can we obey God's word and can we stay busy doing the work of Christ in this church and this land? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.